God, when we assemble together as a group of people, what should a bunch of single flames, individual flames create? One big fire, amen? And so what I want to do is go through some basic principles of worship as an assembly. The first is the entrance into worship. You're all invited into worship, but I don't know if all of you will go. Because according to John chapter 4, verse 24, it says this, God is spirit. Therefore, those who worship Him must. If you're worshiping God, you must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The truth is the Word of God. It's going to direct our worship, but it must be in the spirit. And so when we assemble ourselves, there is a time when we're entering in And when we enter in, you have to enter in by the Spirit. All right? Now, you could be standing in our midst and singing the songs or thinking about different things, but you got to go in the Spirit to where we're going. And can I share with you where you go? You see, if you're going to worship God, who is a Spirit, you must be in His Spirit. And so that's why sometimes... As, as Hannah shared last week, that's why sometimes we have folks who say, you know, I just didn't feel it. Well, the Holy Spirit is in you and here, and whether you feel it or not, you need to get on this thing and go to where we're going. Can I share with you where we are going? If you will, please turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. We spoke about this last week, and I'm going to read to you Revelation chapter 4, verse 6. It was on the Lord's Day that John said, I was in the Spirit. So this is how a door opened to heaven. And and that's figurative language. We're gathering together so that in the Spirit, a door to heaven is going to open. And we're going someplace in the Spirit. I hope you were there this morning. I can still smell the fragrance of heaven in this place. And there's glory on your face. You've heard songwriters write this because they're singing about where we're going in the Spirit. And what it says in Revelation 4, 6 is this. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion. The second living creature like an ox. The third living creature, the face of a man. The fourth like an eagle in flight. And these four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never stop ceasing to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so reverberating in heaven is the cry of holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's being spoken one to another in this work. Now let's go on. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him, and it says day and night, who is seated on the throne who lives forever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created and so there's again this accumulating process of worship in heaven now I've read that to you and many say yeah that's the book of revelation that's coming no that is now revelation 119 Jesus tells John I want you to write Therefore, write the things that you have seen, those that are, 
and those that are to take place. But he did not begin to start revealing the things that are going to take place. So what John records here and now in Revelation is happening here and now. And so what we're entering into, brothers and sisters, is a, a river, is a worship that is already happening in heaven. We're, we're coming into that. So where there's two or three gathered, you're coming into the presence of Christ. Now, hey, maybe, maybe six people show up on Sunday and we go, oh man, worship's not going to be as good. No, it is not dependent on anything happening in this room. It's dependent on everything happening there. We're entering into the majestic presence of God. It is awesome and wonderful. And I want you to tell, I want you to know something. It, it, in Roseville right now at 9.35, there's this assembly, but down the street at the Nazarene Church, you don't have to speak in tongues to be in the Spirit, brothers and sisters. There's folks in that assembly worshiping God. And guess what? We're worshiping with them. Do you know how many churches are worshiping God? One. One church of the Lord Jesus Christ is worshiping at all times on planet earth. God made it round so that there's time zones as this thing turns. So the praise in heaven is continual and the praise on earth is continual. It never ceases. 11 o'clock Sunday morning here. Tomorrow it's 11 o'clock Sunday somewhere else. And I'm just being facetious with the 11 o'clock Sunday thing. But I mean every day, somewhere right now in China, you're singing with the Chinese church. It might be midnight over there, but they're at night hovering in a corner worshiping God. All languages, all tribes, all tongues right now are worshiping God. So, so it cannot be a situation where we come in and go, you know, I'm just not feeling it today. Come with me. Come away, my beloved. Come away, my bride. That's where we're going in the Spirit. Come on, when you get in the Spirit, you get to go places and see things. Amen? And that's where we're going. Going to places and seeing things. All over the saints the early church understood it as the communion of the saints, the fellowship of the saints. There are worship. I want you to know right now you're worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ as we were worshiping this morning. You were worshiping with the Apostle Paul. You were worshiping with Martin Luther. You were worshiping with, with uh, John Huss. You were worshiping with Wycliffe. You were worshiping with so many of the assembled, all the people of God. Your voice is part of that assembly that is going forth at all times. You can enter that river anytime. We can enter into it at any time and worship. And that's what's happening in our midst. We've got to be a supernatural people, folks. We have to be in the Spirit and in that truth of what is taking place in that dimension. And I hope that expands in you and you begin to consider that. Now, as we're doing that, there's a progression to this activity. Uh, sometimes you're in that place where you walk in and, man, you're there. You, you prepared on the way here. You were in the Spirit when you got up this morning. You drove in the, in the Spirit in the car on the way here. And you entered in and you, I can't wait. I just want to begin worshiping. Some other folks, it's, it's, it's going to take a little. We've got to draw in. That's all right. Just get there. Come on. Get there. Now, 
in this progression, Paul shows us uh, in Ephesians and Colossians that there can be a progression to how the assembly, when we gather, how we're going to get to that spirit in that place and really activate our worship experience together. He says this in Ephesians 5.19, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Colossians use, says the same verbiage, the same words. But isn't it interesting, he says, addressing one to another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Didn't we hear that when we were in Revelation, where the four living creatures are saying one to the other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, Right? And, and, and in response to that, as they're declaring that, the 24 elders respond back, singing back unto that phrase, another psalm or another hymn. And so it continues to go back and forth. And so as we're singing together this morning, we're magnifying the praises of who the Lord is, singing one to another. Now, he, he talks about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When you look up the definition in the Greek of, a, of the word psalm, a psalm literally in its definition means singing to a plucked instrument. Now that's an interesting definition because right within that word used throughout the New Testament is the concept that you're singing with music. So I don't know what to do with non-instrumentalist congregations that say there's no reference to instruments in the New Testament. Just the word psalm introduces an instrument and music. So the psalms, if you will, we know what the psalms of David are. The psalms are the meditations and declarations of the Lord that we have in Scripture. Then it says hymns. Now immediately we all go, yeah, we like hymns. I like those old hymns. Paul had no reference to the Wesleyan brothers at this point. <laughs> all right? Martin Luther, mighty fortress is our God, was not in Paul's mind when he used the term hymns. We have an idea of what hymns are. That's not the New Testament idea of hymns. Basically, the concept of hymns is singing together, congregationally. And brothers and sisters, if you were to understand how the early church sang hymns, you would wonder where the Spirit of God was, because it's not your flavor. How many of you know we flavor our reading of the Word of God according to our culture and our history? So the Western sense for hymns has everything to do with high church, Anglican, Wesleyan, Lutheran concepts of hymns. Why not Africa? What are the hymns of Africa? What are the hymns of Asia? What are the hymns of the Middle East where the gospel was written and born? We complain, well, you don't sing any old hymns. Well, if I pulled out some Middle Eastern hymns, would you be happy? The concept of a hymn is getting in one accord, speaking the same thing like-minded. We need to do this. We love to sing in the Spirit. We're not there yet. I'm getting there. But first of all, you've got to bring together the unity so that the blessing is commanded. It, unity is the oil. It's like the oil. Psalm 133, behold how good and blessed it is that, that when the brethren dwell together in unity. It is like the anointing oil that ran down the high priest's beard. And so the anointing of the priesthood, the anointing of the priesthood is unity. And so we sing hymns to unify our thought, to unify our heart, to unify together who God is and what He's doing in our midst. Amen? 
And as we sing one to another the psalms, making melody, and then confessing together, whether it is a Lutheran hymn, whether it's a contemporary hymn, the style is not what makes it a hymn. It's the declaration together of confessing those truths, our hymns, and as we sing them, then it, we find the unity. And where there's unity, it says at the end of Psalm 133, God commands a blessing. Amen? And then we move into those spiritual songs. We've moved into the Spirit now, and we begin to sing with the Spirit. We're carried on the Spirit. I like what Psalm 141 says. O Lord, I call upon You. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to You. Let my prayer be counted as incense before You and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You see, he's reflecting back on the tabernacle and Hannah went through that last week on that progression of entering to that holy place of God. And collectively, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is doing the same thing. It's drawing us into that holy of holies, that spirit song that's within us all as believers. And we begin to reflect back on the holy place in the tabernacle. And so incense, and you see it in the book of Revelation, our fragrances to God. Our worship begins to perfume heaven. It's an incense unto God. And then the lifting up of our hands is a holy sacrifice to God. That's why you'll see in worship, some of you might be new to this church or new to Pentecostal worship. You wonder, why do these people raise their hands? As you're in the Spirit, it's a natural lifting up of the sacrifice as the evening sacrifice of the temple. I am sacrificing my life. I'm surrendering to the majesty of Christ. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it is a progression as we move towards the Lord. Now, in that order of worship, and we're singing spiritual songs, you'll begin to hear that there are the songs we understand, we come with praise, we come with thanksgiving, we move to hymns to where we're confessing and declaring uh, God through truth and uh, the Word, and then something begins to happen where we go into the next level of being in the Spirit, in the presence of God, we begin to sing in the Spirit. We give that freedom. Where Paul says this, I will sing with my mind and I will praise with my spirit. I'll sing with my spirit and I'll sing with my mind. And so what you see happening here is Paul is giving us an understanding in 1 Corinthians 14. He's saying that I'm going to move from my cognitive reasoning into my spirit reasoning. And back and forth. We can flow back and forth. It's activating the very Spirit of God. Now what takes place is God's Spirit is beginning to move in the assembly as we are singing in the Spirit, singing with our reasoning. Alright? And that's dependent on you as you're responding to God. You want to say how great He is. He's majestic. He's almighty. He's fantastic. And your praise begins to rise up and it influences the person next to you. We give that liberty and freedom to speak. That's why there's this roar or this, this rumble in our worship because people are just adoring Jesus. They're, oh, you're awesome, God. You're amazing. 
And someone next to them is going, yeah, he is, he is, he's awesome. Oh, for me, you've done amazing things and great things. And you begin to extol his virtues. And then someone else is adding to that. And then all of a sudden, you run out of words to say. And so you begin to say, yeah, but my spirit's still bubbling up with words of worship and expression. You begin to speak in tongues and begin to praise out in worship of tongues. Or maybe even just songs and syllables of notes and and sounds that are a hymn and a choir to the Lord. And it flows and it moves. Paul said, brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but in all things have it be done decently and in order. So God is directing all of this. You see, when it gets out of order, we're no longer paying attention to the leading of the Holy Spirit. There are times when God just says, oh, douse them. Boom! And the order is exuberant crazy praise. Can there be order in that? Absolutely. Take 10 minutes to go nuts. Have you ever had 10 minutes of going nuts? Have you ever been, oh my gosh, so overwhelmed? If you, could you imagine that if, if you're in a waiting room and someone's wondering if their loved one's going to survive or not, and you said, they're going to live, they've made it through, they're going to make it, and, and they go, ah, and you said, please. No. Well, there are folks that are plugging into God that realize my soul's been saved, my sins have been cleansed, or I've been praying for a healing, or Uncle Jed just got saved last week. I can't contain it. And there's times when the Spirit pours down with great laughter, with great joy, or with great sorrow, or with great... But He's in control. Not us. He is. And so we have to listen. We have to pay attention. And so what I want to do is I want to take you through just this, this progression of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Let's just try this. Let's take a hymn you all know, confess its words, and uh, you can stay seated or you could stand. But I, I want you to try this. And, and let's experience that sense of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And we'll go even deeper in a minute. Hallelujah. You know the song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found Was blind But now I see Come on, one accord, one heart Twas grace that taught my heart to fear And grace my fears relieved How prayer just did that grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior 
God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. This is the time we've sung a hymn together. It stirred our spirit. We're in the spirit. And we now linger in that place where we're swept up to where we can begin to sing in the spirit. Hallelujah. If you've never done this, I want you to try it. We have a key here so that we can all be in harmony. Just make a sound that's in this key. Hallelujah. And you don't even have to say words. Somebody say, oh, just sing, oh. That's right. Oh. Some of you know how to sing in the Spirit. Just join in singing in the Spirit. Yes, my Jesus. Now, now sing in English. Sing in whatever language you want. But we're in the heavenlies. Seated around His glory, how majestic is He, for He is holy, He is worthy, He is glorious, He is glorious, He is holy, He is holy. Holy oh. Hallelujah. Now there's one instrument that God favors above all other instruments. It's the instrument of the voice of man. Our goal as worship instrumentalists is to hand the worship over to the congregation that we would continue to sing and bless his name come on join me again say holy 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 he's worthy can you lift up a hand to the evening sacrifice can you offer a sacrifice to him our lips are a sacrifice the incense is burning from the words your heart of praise hallelujah hallelujah spirit have your way you're worthy worthy hallelujah 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 Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, hallelujah, glory Lord, glory Lord. 
Jesus. Hallelujah. We are in the presence of the Lord in the heavenlies, singing with all the saints, the 24 elders, and the living creatures, abandoning ourselves into the presence of the Lord, to His glory and majesty. Hallelujah. That is our heart. Now, we could be in that place for hours. There's no time in the realm of the eternal. And so we can be in this place, and I want to tell you that so many times in this kind of worship, this is where healings manifest. Revelations come. Wisdom and knowledge comes to minister to the people of God. There's a great ministry of God's Spirit, and we need to wait upon the Lord and let Him do that work. Sometimes we get so program-oriented that, that we're ready for the next thing when He's not done holding us. He's not done embracing us. And what begins to happen then is that there is a, a washing that Jesus does. He begins to minister to his bride. He begins to care for her. And as he pours out, he begins to pour into her words of encouragement, edification, and comfort. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says that I, I want there to be prophecy and I want there to be speaking in tongues because these are revelation gifts, these are word gifts. Jesus wants to speak to the body. Not only to you personally, but as a collective group, God wants to inform you. God wants to speak to you. And the word of prophecy according to 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 is to edify, exhort, and comfort. Now, the gift of tongues and interpretation is for the assembly as well. And when a tongue is given for the entire assembly to hear, an interpretation is to come forward. When it does, it becomes equal to prophecy and functions as prophecy. So, we may be in a place where we're in worship and someone will speak out in a tongue. Now, if it's their own personal prayer language they should not be speaking it out. But if it's under the unction of God, they're to speak it out above everyone else and someone is to have the interpretation. And we leave room for that so that someone will give interpretation. If no one's giving it, the person who gave the tongue should be asking the Lord for the interpretation. And we wait upon it till we hear an interpretation. It's not a, someone else's prophecy, it's the interpretation of that tongue. Let me help you understand this as well. It's not a translation. It's not a translation of the tongue. It's an interpretation. Why do I say that? Because I know the human mind and the human heart. I used to do this. I'd listen to a tongue, and I'd listen to the length of it, and I'd listen to see how there's repeated words, and then I'd hear the in interpretation, right? And, and I'm going, no, the, the, the tongue was longer than that. <laughs> and they said a few different words that kind of mm, said over and over, and I didn't hear a repeating word, right? Well, you're wanting a translation. 
God's not giving a translation. He's giving an interpretation. In other words, if I were to say to you in English and someone from another language was here, and I said, man, I love you. I've got to tell you, I really love you. I really, really, really love you. And I want you to know that I'm here for you. And someone translates for me. And I've had this happen in other countries and so forth. And so the translator says, he loves you a great deal. Now that's an interpretation of what I just said. And it is accurate, correct? So don't go look and don't, don't, don't try and get a translation. This is an interpretation. And the interpretation comes forward. So we have the prophetic and tongue and interpretation for what? To edify, exhort, and comfort the bride. But I want to encourage you. There's an order to this. Paul says that in the order to this, he says, um, oh, sorry. Hmm. I don't have it. I'll read it to you. He, he says this in verse 27. I had you turn there. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let them be two or three, two or at the most three, and each in turn, and let someone else interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, then let the others weigh what is said. So there is to be an order to this. Though it is of the Spirit, we don't want it so out of order that people are confused. God wants His people to understand Him. But in this order, we have to let things flow. And so I want to encourage you, those of you that minister in tongues and interpretation or have the gift of prophecy, don't be so quick to jump. Don't be so quick to speak out a word. Let the Holy Spirit minister and saturate. Hey, what if we sang for an hour and a half in the Spirit with no prophecy? That would be hard because everybody that's prophetic is like... Oh, I got a word, I got a word. But the, 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 the gift of prophecy is what? Subject to the prophet. So hang on to it. Wait. There's time given. We will wait. Even if we wait in silence, this is like Pentecostals don't understand that word, silence. It's in the New Testament. You just don't know. But let's let God... And, and, and let's just let him speak. And, and those of you who have a prophecy, here's what God wants to do. He wants to give a now word to the assembly. You might have thought of something clever last week and you want to share it with the church. That's not a prophecy. That might be a good truth, might be interesting. It's not prophetic for the moment of what God's saying to his people. And what you have to say may be essential at the end of the service, but it doesn't bear witness to what's happening here. Maybe there's a prophetic word of God is speaking to broken hearts. And you got excited and you have a word you heard from the Lord that, that is about going to reach the lost. It doesn't fit. Wait. There'll be opportunity and room. Seek the Lord. And those who are prophetic and, or have tongues and interpretation, they're excited because they hear words from the Lord. And guess what? You do. Because you have the gift of prophecy. But not every word you hear from the Lord is for that time and for that moment. Hold on to it. Wait upon it. All right? It's, it's not just shooting whatever happens, but let's go deeper. 
Let's find out what is the word of edification, exhortation, and comfort that God is speaking to us now, to his people now. And wait upon it. Listen for it. Let the singing, what God wants is, you know what? We might be in a time of spiritual singing, singing in the spirit, singing in tongues. It's just moving. You feel it. How many of you have felt the wave of that coming and going? and rising up again. And God is ministering over here. And at the same time, he's giving you a word that he wants you to speak. But he didn't say go yet. He's doing some kind of work here, and you're boom, right? Uh, God will still do what he wants to do and get it done. But I'm just encouraging you that as we mature in these spiritual gifts and the act of worshiping God, let's slow down. Let's go deeper from just getting a word from God, because you always do and you always will, but let's get the word for what is happening right now. Amen? Does that make sense to you? And so he goes on to say that prophecy will come. Then he goes in verse 30, if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first one be silent. So there may come, and, and we're working on this on Wednesday nights where we're taking time after prophecy and singing. We're saying, okay, let's wait upon the Lord and get a word of knowledge, word of revelation, a word of wisdom. These should be functioning fully as well as a prophetic word. Prophecy and word of knowledge are different. Prophecy is the Lord edifying us, encouraging us, building us up. A word of knowledge is, I am healing this I'm going to deliver you from that. It's very specific information we didn't have that God is giving to us. I hear of this all the time operating in the church in China and in Iran and in in, uh, underground churches where they're hiding and the Lord will say, you need to leave now or you need to do this now. Don't go here, but at this point go here. Those are words of knowledge and information. Now, as Pentecostals, we love prophesying. We love ter- tongues interpretation. Where's the word of knowledge and revelation? Let's go deeper for that. Let's let that operate. Let's, let's wait upon God and let these things begin to take place. Amen? And he says, you can all prophesy one by one. How about that? You can all prophesy one by one as long as there's order so that all may learn and be encouraged and the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophet for God is not a God of confusion but a God of peace that word peace means order a God of order so that in the end we're feeling strengthened I feel encouraged I've been worshiping God and the God of this universe has spoken to us at 25410 Kelly Road in Roseville, Michigan isn't that awesome? And, and our worship starts when we say, good morning, let us pray. And worship is going on through the teaching and the instruction of the word because the spirit of God is speaking to our hearts and we're being edified and built up and encouraged until we sing that last song, until we say amen. God's been edifying and speaking to his people, washing us as we worship and adore him. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy do not forbid the speaking of tongues, but in all things they should be done decently and in order. And I finish with this, I conclude, that when we assemble for worship, our assembly is not around manifestations of the Spirit. May they come, but that's not why we're here. Our worship and our assembly is not centered around the preaching of the Word of God. 
May we preach the Word of God, but that's not why we're here. And it's not music-oriented and song-oriented, though there should be song and there should be music. No, the reason we're here is for Christ and Christ alone. It's to exalt Him through all these different means and ways. I conclude with John 14, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. So brothers and sisters, when we are in worship and we've entered in the Spirit, because it's the only way you can worship God, We're in the Spirit. We're in the presence of all that is going on in heaven. And the Holy Spirit has called us to assemble and is moving and flowing in us. And He wants order because as the Holy Spirit, I want you to get this, as the Holy Spirit is directing our worship, He is looking to Jesus to see what He wants to do. He's collecting us together and He's looking at the Lord Jesus and the Lord says, tell them this. And the Spirit calls forth a prophecy or calls forth a healing or calls forth this or that. We need to be so in tune with what the Spirit's doing because the Spirit's getting His directives from Jesus. And what the Spirit's wanting to do is lift up Jesus above all other things. And so we love the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, but the manifestations are so that every manifestation points to the glory of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm going to heal them now. So people, put your hands, and the Holy Spirit says, come on, Paul, Julie, James, get up here, lay hands on them. He's going to heal. And we go and lay hands. You see, we're all in concert with the ministry of the Spirit who is watching the ministry of Jesus, and all of this elevates Him. Every note we play on our instruments, musicians, is is directed by God to give praise to Jesus. And every utterance is unto the Lord. I want to tell you, when we gather and assemble for that, the church is refreshed and washed by the bridegroom. Would you agree? Let's worship Him this morning. Let's flow into those things that he's called us to. Amen? Amen.